This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Hey there, and welcome to the Pioneer Agronomy Northeast podcast. We are on our 44th episode. This is the week of July 26th. I am Chris Hughes. With me, as always, is Emily Oligar. We are your hosts. Our topic today is corn fungicides and applications. Emily, who is our guest? Thanks, Chris. Today, our guest is Andrew McRae. Andrew is the Corteva AgriScience field scientist for the Northeastern U.S. and the zonal biology leader for the commercial row crop fungicides in the United States. So we're really excited to have Andrew with us. He has lots of good information on fungicides and some good knowledge that he can share with us. Andrew, would you mind sharing first a little bit about your background? Sure. I started uh, back in 1996 as a summer intern in Nova Scotia, Canada. And I've gone to grad school in North Carolina, did postdoc in Georgia, uh, all in weed science, actually. And then was University of Florida, assistant professor. Ended up joining Dow nine years ago to agri-sciences in Canada, Western Canada. And that's where I picked up uh, the row crop fungicide responsibilities. And as of a little over three years ago, three and a half years ago now, I moved to the northeastern U.S. and have the field scientist responsibility for all the crop protection products in northeastern U.S. and also for the uh, row crop fungicides for the U.S. as well, for the commercialized fungicides. Nice. So you're just a little bit busy. So we appreciate you hopping on with us to chat about fungicides today. And it's cool that you mentioned Canada. I was just with a grower the other day who was talking about wheat. We were standing in his wheat field and he was talking about um, some YouTube videos. He was watching the series from Canada and talking about wheat and how we're pretty similar with some stuff that goes on between there and northern Pennsylvania. So very cool. Bring lots of good knowledge to the table. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, we'll jump right into the our main topic, the corn fungicides. Um, Andrew, I think because commodity prices are higher now, there might be more acres sprayed with a corn fungicide. Um, so what, give me your thought process on if, you know, when they should spray and when they should not spray and then kind of the timing, you know, what, what fields should we say, you know, you need to spray or should we be scouting and then determine when to spray a fungicide or just spray it no matter what? Yeah, we get that question a lot on um, what's the ideal time and when should I spray? How do I know if I should spray? And it's a pretty complicated question with a pretty complicated answer. Um, the ease of spraying is probably the first question that comes out. Are you able to get across that field uh, with a rig, with a high boy rig that can get over the corn to spray yourself? Do you have to hire a plane at a higher cost? Do you have to hire a, a helicopter at an even higher cost? Or is it even possible, just depending on your field size and topography or your fields and things along those lines and you know the easier it is to make the application the more it makes sense to be thinking about putting that fungicide on the crop because it does open up your options on what uh, hybrid you're selecting and things along those lines where you can really truly take a chance at maximizing your yield of your crop and uh, and using fungicides as part of that um, depending on what you've got going on and that also depends on crop rotation and that's probably the first place I start is how much corn residue, if we're talking about corn, is sitting there on that ground. So corn residue is our number one source for our inoculum for northern corn leaf blight and for gray leaf spot, which are our top two diseases 
that we currently face as far as foliar diseases on corn in the U.S. So if you have a, a significant amount of residue, then you're likely going to be making an application of a fungicide in, the, in those scenarios. If you're going to be talking about weather, weather is very important. If you're really, really dry, you're probably not going to put your money out in your fungicide because likely, number one, your potential yield of that crop is certainly a lot lower because of the lack of moisture, but there'll be a lot less, a lot lower chance of getting the disease in the crop as well. So those are kind of the two points I started at. But as the general rule is, if you have a susceptible hybrid, you should be spraying a fungicide. If you have a moderately resistant hybrid, that's going to be the, what is the weather? What is the potential yield of this crop? And what is the potential for the, you know, the disease to develop? And can it get across that field? But it's really hard to say, absolutely, you should be making that application because there's a lot of things that go into it. Those are great points. So let's talk a little bit about when. If When should the timing of the growth stage of the crop, when's the best time to go out there and apply that fungicide? When we talk about the actual uh, phenology of the corn plant, we go where grain fill and where the energy is coming from. It's coming from that those leaves around that year. So the ear leaf, the ear minus one, the ear plus one, ear plus two, those are the most important leaves that you have for your grain fill. The top of the plant makes a difference as well. And if there is energy to be gotten from the bottom of the plant as well, but the majority of yield are coming from those leaves. So when I'm looking at a corn plant, looking at where the disease is in the plant, I need to be aware of how far is it moved up from the bottom. So a lot of times we'll get into it like we are currently in where I'm located at in Maryland. Our disease is actually down pretty low where it's down around that V4 level. So we're able to drag our feet a little bit to make the fungicide application. But the important thing to remember is what is the weather that's currently coming out? Because you want to make the application prior to the infection or immediately after the infection on those leaves. And when you're talking northern corn leaf blight, that could be seven to 10 days until you see the lesions. And when you're talking gray leaf spot, that could be 14 days or more before you see the lesions. So timing it to be perfect is very difficult. We don't want to wait till there is lesions on the ear leaf. We definitely want to get out there. My preference is when I see any kind of spot in the ear minus one, I have to be spraying. Um, but realistically, for most of our scenarios, that ends up being just prior to tassel if you're in a field that has irrigation and probably right at tassel for the rest of the other fields, most of those times. We would like to get the application out before silking in case there is an interaction on silking, especially when you're hiring a plane, sometimes you can't control when they're coming. And if it's a 98 degree day and you make the application in the morning, there could be a chance to cause some injury in the silts. But realistically, if you're just putting a fungicide in that tank, it's not concerned. That's a bigger concern when you're adding other things into the tank. That makes sense. That really helps us narrow down what the timing uh, should be. So let's talk a little bit about weather conditions that make these diseases grow faster. What, what, I mean, we can break them down. You said northern corn leaf blight and gray leaf spot are, are the two biggest across the country. So we'll start with northern corn leaf blight. What, what kind of weather conditions do we need to have for that to start growing? Those diseases are pretty similar as far as what we need for, for weather. Northern corn leaf blight does like it a little cooler, uh, but realistically, when we get our nighttime temperatures, especially if we're getting dew at nighttime, we're going to be in that range for both of those diseases. Neither one of them is going to like it above 90 degrees. 
But if we're talking gray leaf spot or northern corn leaf blight, anytime you're below 85 degrees, between 70 and 85 degrees, both of those diseases will be active in the canopy of that corn plant. And you think about when is our moisture available, it is when we have dew at night. And it's one of the reasons why we get that disease starting in the bottom of the plant, where there's more dew, there's more moisture available, and you get those 12-hour, what we call a wetting event, from having enough dew starting right at dark until early the next morning. So realistically, for most of our majority of our, our corn diseases, they're going to shut down at 90 degrees. Um, some will be active as low as 55 degrees, but for the most of our regions, it's at 75, 80 degree weather, everything's going to be active as far as disease infection. So for its nighttime temperatures, we're down south, and that's daytime temperatures if you go far north into the U.S. As far as disease pressure this year, uh, what are you seeing or hearing in the northeast? It's all over the place. And it, if you think about western Pennsylvania, it's been dry in western Pennsylvania. There's likely not going to be nearly the pressure out there that we would expect. Um, I'll be interesting to see what happens going through New York now with all the moisture that we've seen streaming up through there the last little while. Uh, well before we get to Tassel, well, now we're getting close to Tassel now, but essentially you've got two weeks of pretty heavy weather as you're coming into Tassel. And then for the Delmarva area, it's going to depend where you're at. So on who got the rain, which is generally the case down here. So it's really not been, we haven't seen consistent weather systems moving across the country this year very often. We've had the northern train moving across, which is bringing a lot of that moisture up through the Iowa the last little bit, up through New York, but it's kind of leaving some of Pennsylvania out. Now we've got those pop-up showers, which are going to be hit and miss in the area. We've seen that for, we're probably going to see that all through the weekend. So it's, it's very difficult to make a broad statement on weather this year, especially, um, where last year we kind of had those fronts that came across the country and kind of evened us all up from what we were seeing. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And talking about the variability that we have, I feel like we always hit that on this podcast of, well, what's it doing there? What's it doing here? And on our last podcast, we just talked about wheat harvest progress and, you know, even South Central Pennsylvania compared to Central PA where I'm at and uh, Delmarva where Chris is, we're just, you know, all over the place. I'm just hoping everybody in this area can keep their eyes peeled. We're having, like you said, lots of pop-up showers, high humidity, um, and I'm, I'm just hoping everybody's keeping an eye on that as we move forward. Hey, Andrew. So I know farmers are, are diversifying their maturities of their hybrids um, to try to hit, you know, different weather environments because you put them all in the same maturity you know you can either be a hero or a zero depending on the weather that comes for that hybrid uh, so what's your recommendation on uh, spraying a fungicide with with hybrids that are all you know different maturities i know you said um right before tassel or right at tassel is typically where you've seen it so if we have if a farmer has five or six different maturities out there could he spray all of his fields at the same time, or should he wait for each one of those fields to get to that same growth stage? Yeah, and that's where the difficulty comes, especially depending on your field size. If you're talking 10, 15 acre field sizes, you're gonna to need to combine batches, especially if you're using an airplane to make the application. Uh, but if you're into some of the larger fields, you're a little bit able, you're a little bit better to be able to make uh, specific field decisions. The, the problem comes is the logistics of it. And the number one thing, one thing we run into is if you're making the application to your own field, 
you have a lot more flexibility to go out there and make, assuming you can get across that field, it's not going to be too wet that make those applications, but no one has enough time. And so what we end up have happening is when you need to start spraying with a ground rig, you're going to start spraying. When you need to bring the plane in, you're probably going to bring the plane in for at least half your operation, I would assume, and, and to make that application, which means you're going to cross over those maturities. Now, my important thing on making an application, the fungicide, I'd rather you be a week too early than a week too late. So I don't mind you going across the maturities. You just need to be aware that if you're out there at V10 to V12 making an application on, on a hybrid, you're really going to have to watch that back end. We can expect three weeks of protection of pretty much every fungicide we have in the market. Getting four weeks will depend on the disease pressure. It will depend on the conditions of time application. And realistically coverage depending on you know just what hybrid you're growing and how well we can get the coverage down into campy so all those things combined together you're going to definitely be need to be scouting if you're even if you make an application correctly on tassel when we start thinking about the length of how long corn goes out to the back end and the diseases that can come in late it certainly can be a situation where if you're dealing with southern rust or southern blight or tar spot which is going to be one that we're going to see more in the east uh, we need to be looking at that corn and just to be checking it out to make sure that we're we're going to be able to keep it protected through the grain chill period. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about those like southern rust and things? Are, are they later coming in than Grayley Spot and northern or what's different about them? For us, the northeast southern rust comes in later because it blows in from the south. We don't get much southern rust in the northeast. It will be interesting to see what happens this year. I've been looking. I've not seen any since we've had the tropical storm come up the East Coast. So I've been curious to see if we had any brought up because there was southern rust in Georgia at the time of the tropical storm coming through Georgia, South Georgia, and coming up the coast. So we're expecting a lot more southern rust in the Carolinas this year uh, just for that track of that tropical storm coming in, blowing in the spores. We don't know if it made it all the way to us. But if we get more southern rust starting in the Carolinas in the next week, we're going to see more southern rust in the Delmarva, southern Pennsylvania type areas than we've seen in the past. Now, is it enough for us to be concerned? When is that infection going to occur? Well, if it occurs five weeks after tassel, we're probably not going to be going up there and spraying. But that infection occurs three weeks after tassel, yet we're probably going to make the application. Southern rust is one of those ones, much like southern blight, that once it gets rolling in that canopy, you can see that 20, 30, 40 bushel losses. So you need to be right on top of it, wait until your corn turns orange for southern rust and making a decision, you'll be in trouble. Tar spot, we don't see nearly as much yield loss, um, depending on what hybrid and things that you're growing, but tar spot comes in very late. We had one county that had tar spot in Pennsylvania last year. We don't know what that means for us this year. They're certainly gonna be scouting for it to see if it's around. It seems to be very hit and miss on years. Um, it likes the cooler temperatures at the end of the season. So we're not expecting it for us to be as big a deal in July and early August as is going to be in late August. And where your corn is staged in late August is going to depend where you are in the geography. The further north you go, the more likely you're going to have more grain fill time in late August into early September than the southern part of the northeastern geography. So we're not exactly sure how it's going to fit and where the concern is going to be, but we'll try to keep an eye on. I think from south central Pennsylvania north, we're probably going to be more concerned about tar spot than anywhere else. Uh, I don't know if southern Pennsylvania will ever get that bad for us 
unless it's a very, it's unless it's a corn replant scenario, where the corn's going to be finishing up all the way into the end of September, and that would be, I think, would be the only time that we probably would run into that. They're very long maturing hybrids, and to bring up the very long maturing hybrids, if you do have long maturing hybrids, you're pushing, especially if you're pushing your window. Uh, you need to be checking scouting for these later diseases, especially in a year like this where we've had the tropical storm that's moved up. Anything else that comes up through the Carolinas will be bringing stuff with it. Anything coming now down from the tar spot regions, if you've got later maturity, can bring tar spot down from that region. So just be aware, and even if you're talking the 1st of September, give it one more scout into your field to make sure you're okay. Talking about those late diseases coming in and, and scouting and making sure we're getting out there and getting them. Um, what is the delay from spray uh, till harvest time for typically for most fungicides? Uh, I believe the range is somewhere between seven and 30 days. <laughs> and it's really going to depend on that label, what you've got for harvest. Um, it's not defined by physical maturity, which would probably make a little more sense in a corn crop since we can't let corn hang. But uh, certainly, it's going to depend on the fungicide itself. The majority of, majority of our fungicide applications, we're not going to be going out there when we're into senescence. We're just not making those applications. We're too, it's too late to protect the grain. We're now into that final stage of fill, and we're just not going to be protected. Essentially, if you talk, if you're making an application to green corn, you should never run into a PHI issue. For any fungicide I've dealt with or that I can remember, if I'm missing one, uh, please excuse me, but always check those labels for things along those. So going off of that, what options do our growers have um, for fungicides that they can use against all the diseases that we've mentioned? We, we've certainly moved away from single active ingredient products, so we don't see the straight strobilarians. Have, they haven't been used in approximately probably 15 years. I don't think imagine that, that as far as for late applications, we use them early in the season for plant health benefit, um, and we certainly do see some of that effect and, and hopefully some help with us with the stock strength. And that's one of the things I, I will mention too. But we're looking at all combo products. There has not been a ton of data saying that three-way products are better than two-way products. Uh, they may be better on certain diseases, but doesn't necessarily mean you've got broad spectrum across every disease. When we start talking about where we're at it's going to be likely on length of residual. So if you buy a three-way product, perhaps you maybe get um, five, six, seven more days of residual. We don't really know because it, it's hard for us to truly make those understandings until we get a ton of data because every hybrid reacts differently to all these different fungicides. If you're growing a hybrid that's morally resistant to disease, hopefully the disease that's in your area, most two-way products are gonna be fine. So obviously we have our products, other growers of their, uh, other companies of their products. Um, the standards for us have generally been the last little while have been Headline Amp and Approach Prima and Trevor Pro. Those are the three that are, had the majority of the market um, for the last couple of years. And we're seeing newer products come in now that are impacting the products now. Some are based on price, some are based on area, depending on what disease is present. But realistically, those products are gonna have a triazole, they're gonna have a group three fungicide and they're going to have a group 11 fungicide, strobilarian product. And that's been the basis for most of our corn fungicides. We don't have a resistance issue that we know of in corn disease. There's a lot of talk about we need the three ways to protect resistance. It certainly will help, but we don't have a resistance issue that we know of in, those, in that crop for those diseases. So it certainly isn't a bad idea to do it. 
realistically, the decision to put a fungicide on is probably more important than necessarily which fungicide you're using, unless you're under something like irrigation. When we start talking about you're putting pivot irrigation on, you're probably going to want to buy a premium product that's going to make sure that you're going to make it as long as possible in that crop. I personally would prefer people make two applications if they're under a pivot. And I want two applications because we're just creating disease, uh, the correct disease scenario with the weather, uh, with the moisture to make things worse. Yeah, so you talk about that two application. That's a good point to bring up. Um, what's the timing or that you recommended on the first application? And do you recommend it whether it's corn after corn or corn after beans or under a pivot? What, what would you recommend there? If you're under a pivot and it's corn on corn, in my opinion, you have to make two applications to, to, to maximize your yield. You've already got the investment of the irrigation sitting on top of that crop. I assume that you've done everything else on the crop to maximize your yield. You're pushing high end yields. That's when you start saying, well, if you're protecting how much percentage of the yield with the fungicide, it's going to be a multiple of, of more bushels again. So when you start talking to applications, now you really have to watch where, where the disease is in that field. That certainly is important. The second, second thing you need to think about is, you know, I can make an earlier application if I've already made the decision I'm going to spray twice. Now, it depends on hybrid. If you have a highly resistant hybrid, then there are some out there with certain diseases. If you had issues with them, you may not need to make those two applications. But if you're chasing your max yield under pivot, my guess is you probably haven't chased that highly resistant one that may have a little lower yield potential, depending on what, you're, what you've got and what area you're growing in. So now you can say, well, I'm, I'm going to go out before tassel I'm going to go V12 and I'm going to make that first application knowing that I'm going to give myself three to four weeks for that second application and I'll be well past brown silk and I'll never get a fungicide out on my silks. And I know that I can make that application early enough to truly get down and protect those, the ear leaf and the ear minus one leaf. And even the second application will be a second level of protection on them. And it makes a big difference. We've seen a, being a week late versus a week early, We've seen nightmare scenarios where, oh, I wish I'd done it a week earlier type uh, deal. And, and being a V12 versus being a week after tassel, it's, a, it's night and day difference in that, you know, with a 17, 21 day window. Um, it, it makes a big, big difference on control. We can preventively control disease much, much better than we can cure it. That's a good point. Uh I have seen some growers going out at like V6 when it's corn after corn on highly productive soil. Do you recommend that? Do you think that's doing anything? We, we can see plant health benefits from it. And, and so when we start talking, are we impacting the disease? Yes, we're impacting the disease. It's, if there's activity of that fungicide on any of those diseases on the lower part of the leaf, we are certainly holding them up. And when we start talking impact later in the season, controlling a disease earlier will lower the amount of inoculum that you're going to have later in the season. So essentially, if you cut out one generation of, of, of disease and it's a seven or 14 day disease, if it's seven day, then realistically, you've, you've saved yourself seven days on the other end. Now, is it going to pay out every time? No, it's not going to pay out every time. Because if you have a very healthy plant if you don't have much disease presence 
it may not necessarily impact as far as disease control, but that's when we start seeing the plant health part. And there's been a lot of question on what's causing the plant health benefits that we're seeing. Realistically, we're just removing other pathogens that may not, it, we're reducing the total pathogen load on that plant. We could also be actually uh, um, creating a scenario within the plant that says, oh, I don't like these other things going on. I'm going to actually start protecting myself as well. And it's not that we're doing any kind of system activated response type deals. We don't really know what's causing all these plant health benefits, but we, we, we do see it in the group 11s and there is some group sevens in the STHIs they're doing it as well. Now, most important thing for us right now, when we grow our crops and certain areas have bigger problems with this is stock strength. We grow really big crops. We grow them very well. We are often very close to our nutrition for what the crop needs. We've gotten that dialed down and we're certainly not wasting money. When we have diseases coming in and they're robbing us of some of that energy that we need for the grain fuel later in the year, that plant is going to find that energy somewhere and is likely gonna find it into the stock. We talk about stay green when we do fungicide testing now, because it helps tell us how healthy that plant is at harvest. If we have some of those green leaves on that plant, we've done a very good job keeping the disease off and keeping a healthier plant. And in those scenarios, we're less likely to have the stock issues. We will always have diseases attaching, attacking the stock, but a healthy plant can fight them off better. And if we keep those plants earlier, healthier, that's why we see some of that benefit for those V4, V6, even V8 when we push it a little bit on just trying to keep that plant a little bit healthier until later into the season. Those are all really good points. And I think uh, we really appreciate your time and, and talking about corn fungicides, Andrew, you're a wealth of knowledge, that's for sure. And I know I learned something and I'm sure that all the listeners learned something as well. We're going to move on to the next part of our podcast that we call the weekly watch out this is the portion of the podcast where we ask our guests what our growers should be doing or looking out for over the next 17 7 to 14 days andrew what do you think our our growers should be looking for i would like to see them certainly scouting all their fields to make sure that they are where they think they are uh, one of the things that we need to worry about is not only do we make that application folio there's been new products now on the market that are promising full season disease control, we should be checking those fields anyways. There's no guarantee that we're going to get what we think we're going to get out of those products. There's too much environmental, environmental impact on any product that's put on, on a plant. Uh, it's a reason why when we talk about, even if you make a first application at Tassel, you should be out there three to four weeks later scouting your fields to make sure that there, you don't have any other diseases that have moved in later, that you're still seeing that same level of control. The same goes for any full season promising product. Get out there and check that crop. Start that checking near tassel so that you don't get behind on it. Don't rely on relying all the way into that brown soak period. Get out early and make sure you're good on the tassel. And look for something that are different. Look for weird things. Southern rust, southern blight, tar spot, they don't start out across the entire field. They're going to be here and there, and they're going to be in the top of that canopy. We look too much down looking at ears as we walk through corn plant, corn fields. You need to look up and see what's above your head. Those are all really good points. Any new product that we, we try out for the first time, I always recommend that you make sure you do a, a, a test strip with it or, or a test strip without it. 
if you decide to put it on most of your acres there. But make sure you have a side-by-side -side with it without it to compare it to make sure that you're getting return on your investment there. And we should definitely all be out scouting our fields. And that was a great point to bring up, Andrew, that some, some diseases come into the top of the canopy first and some come into the bottom of the canopy first. So make sure you're, you're looking on both sides of that ear leaf. Great share. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us. We really appreciate you taking time um, out of your schedule to hop on and share with us a little bit. So I think the one big takeaway that I heard um, and that hopefully some of our listeners heard, it's a lot easier to prevent disease than it is to cure disease. <laughs> so like they just said, make sure you're getting out scouting fields um, and applying those fungicides where needed. Um, tune in next week when we discuss another agronomic topic. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation this week, but don't forget to hop on um, your phone and search the Pioneer Agronomy Northeast podcast app for more insights and solutions fueled by forward thinking farming. And be sure to hit that subscribe button while you're there. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.